Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Batter up. Hello, everyone. Welcome to A Pot of Their Own. This is episode 18. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week once again by my lovely co-host, Linda Surovich. Hi, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Allison. Well, folks, we have reached hot boy summer season. It's here. <laughs> the Mets are suddenly the hottest team in baseball somehow. <laughs> and um, it's because I spent the two weeks prior to this knocking down every single person who dared say like, oh, well, they're only six back in the wild card. What I was, every time that came up, I was like, guys, this is not 2015. They are nowhere near where they were that year. This is not reasonable. Let's just move on. That's the reason. That's yep. the reason. And yep. I just have to say, you're welcome. Yep. <laughs> I love it when I predict bad things for the Mets because that's the statistical likelihood and then they make me look like a big dumb idiot. It's my favorite. Yeah. I love it. I would rather look like a big dumb idiot. Yep. Yep. So as we play currently, and the Mets are currently ahead five to nothing as we record again. Almost full pen proof. Almost. Almost. Not We're getting wood. there. Um, they are only two and a half games back out of the wild card. And not only that, but last night they passed two teams. 
too. And they could pass who who can they they could pass the Brewers tonight. They could. The Brewers, I believe, are winning their game. However, um, they could pass the Brewers tonight. It's statistically possible. Um, so this is you know crazy town. Um, the Mets just can't lose right now. I mean, they are playing a soft part of their schedule. They pay, they played the Pirates and then they played the White Sox and then they played the Pirates again. Um, and now they're playing the Marlins. Um, for can four we games. can we play play the Pirates a few more times? Yeah, <laughs> like, that'd be yeah. great. Can we swing that one? Yeah, that'd be great. And but they 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 are kind of at a, a crossroads now because they are, you know, going through this really, really hot stretch and they are entering a part of the schedule after this where they play nine of their next 11 series against winning teams. Um, so we shall see how real this actually is. But for the time being, I'm just enjoying the heck out of this. This is so fun, you guys. Like, well, this is one of those... Oh, oh sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, this is just one of those times where I'm like, if you're not having fun right now, if you're not enjoying watching this baseball, then just like find a new hobby. Like this is then this is not the hobby for you because this is as good as it gets. And like who would have thought like I don't even remember when it was, but they were literally only ahead of the Marlins. Yeah. And they were looking up at literally almost every team in the National League. And now, they were bad. They were very bad. They were 11 games under 500 at the All-Star break. 11 Ooh. games under. And now we stand at one game over. And if we win tonight's game, we will be two games over 500. It is I think, unbelievable. I think it was May 2nd the last time they were over 500. It was late May, I think. Like May 28th. I think that was the last time they were at 500. Oh, that's the last time over. they were at 500. They, over. They danced with 500 a lot this oh, season. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot, lot of that month of May. Yeah. And then June sunk them as it tends to do. Usually does. Yeah. Yeah. But but this time. Just skip June next time. Just like skip it. Just yeah, like take a pass it. on June. Skip June. And, you know, the even. They had started to get hot. I mean, we we talked about it last week. They had started to get hot going into the trading deadline. Um, In part, it basically caused them to alter their trading deadline plans um, because they believed that, you know, this team this year and potentially next year as well had a chance to compete. And I think a lot of people (laughs) were confused by that and laughing at them and confused as we were. Like, you know, it's it was a confusing approach, but it's kind of hard to argue with that right now. And even if they don't end up, you know, making the playoffs in the end, I still think there's something to be said for watching fun baseball for the next two months as opposed to giving up. And how long has it been that they've actually played meaningful games this late in the year? 2016? 2016. Yeah, 2016 was definitely the last time. Yeah, so it was kind of fun. A nice change of pace. Like, they didn't totally sell. They just sold Vargas. They added. And they kept Noah Syndergaard, which I think we could all agree on was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. So now we get to watch fun baseball. <laughs> and I'm not going to complain about that. I will... I. I will complain about one thing, Uh-oh. which is that, so they added Stroman and boy, howdy, are we happy that they did? Cause he's great and he makes us a better team, but they stopped there. And yeah. like in the moment, it seems 
like maybe an odd choice, but I think we were all reeling so much from the shock of just not being sell everything mode that um, it didn't really land that they weren't adding much. I mean, I think there had been some buzz like, well, they add a reliever, but it was because we were still so set in sell now mode that we didn't really register too much. But now, now looking back and now, of course, that we'll get to this in a sec, but now that Cano is out for the season, um, still Dom Smith probably out for the season. We'll see. And close to it, at least. Um, Brandon Nemo is dead. Long live Brandon Nemo. Uh, Jed Lowry never was. And it starts to feel like they missed some opportunities to, to just thicken up this, this bench a little bit. It's not, it's starting to look a little treacherous out there. And it's one of those situations where like, they're one big, one more big injury away from shit. Yeah. I don't know. Considering where they were at the time, how much more do you want to deplete the farm system when, you know, even a week ago, a run like this was just a pipe dream. It's so true. I don't know if like they really knew what to do other than stand pat. And now all of a sudden they did go on a run. So, and I, I think like Justin Wilson coming back has significantly kind of calmed the bullpen down. And the starting just, pitchers pitching better has calmed the bullpen down as yeah. well because they're having to pitch fewer innings. Yeah, so I think missing Wilson was probably a big part of it, too. So you don't need to go to whatever the latest Syracuse call-up is again or, you know, overwork Lugo, overwork Gazelman. So I think maybe that could help, and it has helped. And Definitely. like Allison said, the starters finally getting it together, too. That's been huge. I think, but I know, do hope they. I hope they do dabble in the the DFA market that has kind yes. of replaced waivers this year because there are no more waiver trades in August. Like I don't know if all the listeners know that it's just a rule that they changed. They used to be able to kind of sneak in a few trades. We would always see it in August. You can't do that anymore. It's over. So, um, so anyone who's DFA'd is kind of your last chance. Yeah, and a team like the Mets is who that has a big impact on. I was just about to say that, like. I didn't really, I mean, I obviously knew going into the trading deadline that it was like the deadline now that they had changed this rule, but I guess because the Mets hadn't gotten this close like they are now, I hadn't thought about how it impacts a team like the Mets who are, who were kind of entering the trading deadline on the fringes and decided to stand pat, but now they're kind of more than on the fringes. They have the ability to make a run, but they, they didn't address any of the glaring holes that are the reason that they were 11 games under 500 in the first place, but now they like kind of can't. And so I think that it's like teams that end up in that position and there's always like one or two of them that end up in this sort of position that I think it hurts them the most, this uh, trading deadline change. And I think I'm going to need some more like, I don't know, distance between like, I'm going to need to see how all of this plays out in the end over the course of this season and potentially one more season with this rule intact before I make a judgment call on whether it's like a good thing or a bad thing. But I think it's certainly hurting the Mets right now. Yeah. And I think even somebody said with the Yankees, too, they just they're getting decimated by injuries and can't do anything about it. Yeah. The Yankees had like two more players go down like right after the trading deadline, like Aaron Hicks is hurt again. Yep. And, um, so, the Yankees, know, though, I also would have made the argument that like 
additional injuries or not, they whiff this deadline. They have no excuse. I that I would be so mad if I was a Yankees fan right now because like they that team has just been satisfied to coast for a while now and they're 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 a great organization. They can coast straight into first place and they do. But like you gotta look at what the Astros are doing in the American League and think like it's just not often that you see the Yankees getting outclassed in almost every respect. And like it- I had a I had a Yankees fan. I had a conversation with a with a Yankees fan recently, um, who was like, "Well, you know, the Mets the, the Mets like trolled everyone and cornered the market on purpose." And I was like, "It is absolutely not my problem that you could not beat yeah, the Mets right. package for Marcus <laughs> Stroman. That is not my problem because you absolutely could have probably and- twenty seven teams in the league could have beat the Mets package for Stroman." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, and on, if man. you really wanted starting pitching, you could have gotten you it. You could have gotten it. Like, don't use that as an excuse. No. Yeah. The Astros went out and got Granky. And yeah. I know Granky did not want to go to New York. That's 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 fine. But like you can't tell me that there wasn't another big move to be made if they they have the pieces to make a trade and they didn't do it. The Mets have nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Mets are taught rash below the major league level. And like, they still swung a game changing trade. So your move Steinbrenner, the Mets even told them they'd be willing to flip Stroman to them. I mean, they asked for a ridiculous package, but if you really were desperate, you could have pushed for a starting pitcher just because no starting pitchers were dealt besides Greggy and Stroman basically doesn't mean a deal wasn't there to be had. I mean, the Mets were absolutely ready. I think part of, Part of it was, I, I guess they figured, probably rightfully so, that yes, there was a small chance of competing with Wheeler this season. But there was all, but like given the prices on the market, what they were going to get for him, there was a small chance that that was going to end up being some kind of a franchise type player. Mm-hmm. So you take you take the small chance that's in front of you, and not the small chance years down the line. And like I, I, I. I like that. I appreciate that. In a, even in a vacuum where like they're not beating the world right now, like that's still a very logical way to approach that deadline. But like if the Yankees had ponied up, they would have been able to get Wheeler and not, you know, not some like crazy, you know, Noah Syndergaard for R.A. Dickey kind of trade. Like something something reasonable could have been done and they just didn't want to because they figure they've got a lock on it and we'll see yeah but it's weird seeing the yankees being cheap now like if know. they're not gonna go for it who will but besides the astros, the astros I, guess. Will. <laughs> I feel like every the whole league has just kind of stopped trying in so many ways and i i wonder if part of it is i remember a few years back there was they were looking at the teams that like get competitive balance money and how much they're already making. And then, you know, you've got all these, you've got these like TV deals that are pocketing, that are sending like tens of millions of dollars to every team for doing nothing. And I just wonder like, what do the, do the profit margins look like in baseball? And like, does, is trying worth it? Like, is it just that you're going to, as long as you do kind of, eh, you'll make gazillions of dollars. So that's it. Like that's cause that's sort of how it feels. Well, it also plus prospects are cheap too. Yeah. So, By definition. Yep. Yeah. So 
if you go for it now, you're losing out on cheap later, labor later. Yeah, I, it's, it's something you got to fix. Yeah, and I think, um, and this is like a good, <laughs> this is a good conversation that lots of people across baseball are having right now. I think it was, I think it was Craig Goldstein uh, for Baseball Prospectus wrote an article about um, how this trading deadline has affected the GM's mindset and how it, you know, might not exactly be good for the game. Like, oh no, it wasn't Craig, but it was, uh, it was. Um, it was baseball prospectus, but it wasn't Craig, but it was um, uh, an article about how, you know, baseball teams um, are basically afraid to take risks. And this risk aversion is is bad for the game. And it made for like kind of a boring trading deadline. And it's making for like boring baseball because these GMs are just so risk averse now. It's kind of like the pendulum has swung too far in the other direction almost. Yeah. Yeah, I think if if they could figure out a way to kind of re-incentivize taking risks, if they could make it, make there be sufficient value there. I mean, and it's because it's not just the trade deadline that was boring. The offseason was mm-hmm. boring. Last year's offseason was boring, too. Like, the on-field product is mostly fantastic, except for the fact that they can't stop fucking with the baseballs. Yes. Um, <laughs> the pro- but, like everything outside of that is kind of a mess. And yeah. I don't think it's appealing to, to normies. No, <laughs> to normies. <laughs> normies. <laughs> well, yeah. even like there was a tweet that said, like, if this was the NBA, like Syndergaard, DeGrom, Bumgarner, and Granke would all be on the move. And it's so true. Like, Accurate. And, yeah. Yeah. Yep. The NBA is insane. Like the NBA off season is insane. The NBA trade deadline is insane. And that's why like, I think you get the bigger stars in NBA. Like everybody knows who LeBron James is because they market themselves better. They are more exciting, but nobody knows who Mike Trout is because baseball just can't compete with that. And now there's other things that go into the NBA. Like, you know, prospects can play pretty much the following year after they're drafted where baseball, that's not really the case, but you know, at least you think, yeah, I do think it's notable that um, basketball, as I if I were if I if I recall correctly, I know very little about basketball. I think they have both a salary floor and a salary cap. They do, yes. and so I would think that that encourages more creativity, more short-term contracts, more movement in general. Um, and that kind of feels like what's not happening in baseball right now. And what is, I mean, like and free agent contracts are getting shorter for sure, but you have all these extensions now. And so there's, I feel like there is a lot less movement. There's less trading. There's fewer big free agents moving around. Like it's, and, and part of that is probably just cause like everyone sort of found the level of payroll where they make a good enough profit and they don't really tend to stray from those little salary bands that they've built for themselves as opposed to having something more structured by the league to, I don't know. I'm again, I'm kind of like spitballing all this because I have no background in economics or anything. So it just sort of feels like that's a key difference. Well, and also their younger players get paid sooner too. Yeah. That's a big part of it. Um, Yep. I know. And I don't like Maggie. I don't, know much about the NBA but I know that the salary structures in the NBA are incredibly complex uh I've had some people at the Amazing Avenue Slack like try to explain some of it to me and I'm like what excuse me I don't okay 
Um, like the bird rule? I have the no bird clue rule. I was like, what does this mean? <laughs> what oh my the God. hell is that? <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, they- excuse me. Larry Bird was a Celtic player in the 1990s. There yes. you go. Yes. Yeah, a little something correct. for you ladies to pocket for for your next <laughs> chit chat. <laughs> uh, anyhow, getting back to um, how this affects the Mets specifically, um, tonight's game is a perfect example. I know they're winning the game, and that's really great. Um, but again, they're moving into this tough part of their schedule where having a lineup where the back three guys are Luis Guillorme, Adeni Echeverria, and Juan Lagares is not going to cut it. It's not. It's absolutely not. Like, they need to rely on the top half of their lineup to score all of their runs, and it's just giving away three outs, essentially, every single game, and they just can't afford to do that. So Cinderella's going to be batting six by Sunday. Yeah, yeah. They need to at least come up with some sort of plan to uh, to take a flyer on a few dudes and like maybe they do maybe they flame out but at least you know you can say you tried like we had said like zach wheeler had a better at bat than most of these dudes yeah like in the in the first time that zach came up to bat the first pitch he saw he took a vicious cut and fouled it like almost straight back and i was like that's a better cut than i just watched Luis Guillorme, Adeni Echeverria, or Juan Lagares take in their entire at-bats. Like, that first cut from Zach Wheeler was a better like, cut than any of them. I was like, he has a better chance of getting a hit than any of them do. Bat him sixth. Um, like, Juan Lagares is like, I mean, not to be mean, but he's 2018 Jose Reyes. Yeah, no, he's, he's done. that bad yeah. now. It's like, they had he's any, under 200. If they had any better option, he would have been cut a month ago or more like he's that's he's just he's done yeah but they they literally have nothing better um he is still pretty good in the field not what he was but like above average yeah no it's 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 actually like I find it a huge bummer to watch him it really it It is is a total like what could have been sort of situation like yesterday especially yesterday was really frustrating because in a couple of key situations he popped out and I watched him like it was both of those pitches were meatballs right down the heart of the plate and like it's a type of pitch that even former Juan Lagares would have hit for like at least a single like he would have driven it you know to right center field for a single like, he would have done that in the past. And he just popped them straight up. And, he, like, at one point, he slammed his bat down because he knew yeah. it. It's just, like, he just can't hit pitches that are even right down the heart of the plate anymore. It's infuriating. He's getting beat. His bat speed is just not so there anymore. slow now. Yeah. And with the, as as we alluded to earlier, um, Robinson Cano, ugh, this is the one This is the one bummer thing we're going to talk about. We're, we're really excited about the Mets. Everything's going great. Except that. Not going great. Um, Robinson Cano was revealed to have a hamstring tear via MRI, which that is, that's very close to a season ender, if not a season ender, which sucks. I mean, it's close enough that like, I would be really pissed if I heard that they were aiming to get him back for like the postseason. Like I would like, it's, they should not, they shouldn't even be considering having him play again this season. They should be shutting him down, have him heal really thoroughly, get to spring training early and and get his bat in shape because like 
Cano will mean much more at this point next season than he will this season. Like, take the L mm-hmm. and just don't fuck it up for the future. Yep. Yep. And it's a, such a shame because he had finally been hitting. Um, he looked like he was, you know, finally breaking out. I think in the past, like, I think in like the week and a half leading up to the injury, he had like a 180 WRC plus or something like that. And I was like, damn it. <sighs> I know. He looked so good. Oh, that was oh, his so third good. double, I think, of the day. Yep. That he yeah. got hurt on. His third double. So, you know, so he goes down, which really, you know, and obviously Dom Smith had already been down and Nimmo had already been down. So this kind of starts to really expose the bench and we're starting to see it already, um, even though dur- the, during this stretch while the Mets are winning. And so they need to be preemptive about this. Watching Isdrubal Cabrera get picked off the scrap heap for nothing by a division rival was frustrating to me. That sucked. Yeah. Like, I know that Isrubal Cabrera is not hitting. I understand there's a reason he got designated for assignment by a somewhat mediocre baseball team. I understand that. But he's the type of player who's a streaky hitter, and he can go on a hot streak. We've seen it. We've seen him look like Garbo for, like, two months and then look, like, amazing for a month. We've seen it. And he's, and I- and he's had great pinch hit numbers across his career, and he's a switch hitter. And he can play second, third, and short. Like, he's a really good bench player. And part of why he was released was because they needed him. They needed somebody who's going to be playing every day. And he wasn't a good fit for an everyday player. But he's a good fit for a bench player. And damn it, Mets, what were you thinking? Right. And, and like, the Mets, yeah, they're lacking a lefty, too. Yeah. Like, your is their only lefty, basically. Which is why he's sitting sixth. Because he's being sandwiched <sighs> between all those righties. But... Oh, Pirates tied it up, too, too. Ooh, yeah. Hey. Yeah, oh, baby. we're scoreboard watching. Let's go, Bucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, and it's 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 frustrating because if you think back to the 2015 Mets, and now I'm not, I'm not, obvi- I'm not saying that there's a Cespedes coming. We all know there's not a Cespedes coming or anything close to it. We know that this is basically the team we've got, give or take a couple of peripheral pieces. But if you look at the 2015 Mets, not only did they make the Cespedes move, they made the peripheral moves necessary. I know that people have not so fond memories of Tyler Clippard in the playoffs. But if you think about the stretch run, he was actually quite important to that stretch run. So they acquired Tyler Clippard for the bullpen. They acquired Kelly Johnson and Juan Uribe. These were the type of players that they They would have had to have acquired. And Reed was basically a scrap heap pickup too. Yeah, and Addison Reed, who was obviously instrumental to that to that run. And so, you know, there are some options. Um Panic was just released by the Giants. Um he's having a oh my dreadful God, year. the jokes write themselves. I know. <laughs> Panic Jeez. City, man. Welcome um, to Panic City. But, a panic you know, move. Washed up panic, in my opinion, is better than Luis Guillorme. I hate to say it, yeah. but it's not, I mean, Luis Guillorme is obviously a really good fielder and there's a place for that, but you're, you can't have your entire freaking bench be defensive replacements, which is what I mean now. Not to, you know, totally rain on the brain, but Guillorme threw the ball away today and they just had to go to replay review because his foot wasn't on a bag and it cost them Jeez. an out. Damn. So Guillorme struggling. No excuse for that. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to be the defense guy. Well, like you just you don't need Hechevaria and Guillorme on the same bench. You just do no, not. And I know that not. like I know that you got a lefty and a righty there, but that's not that's not relevant for that type of a player. No. 
And, like, you, you just – yeah, exactly. You can't have your entire bench be defensive replacements. You need a guy to come off the bench in a big situation that you at least think can possibly get a hit. And they used to have that on their bench because they had, you know, Dom Smith healthy, and that used to be either John, Dom Smith or J.D. Davis, whoever mm-hmm. was, wasn't – Sometimes but, both. Sometimes yeah. both, depending on who else was playing. And so, like – they used to have guys who you could trust to get a hit in a big spot, but now they don't have that anymore. So we just need, like, maybe Panic can, I at least feel like he could slap a single maybe in a big and situation, I, but I don't feel that way about any of the guys we have on our bench right now. And I think Pan Panic's defense is still fine. I don't I think, think it's he's fine. Yeah, yeah, I don't I think was he's looking, totally awful. I, I was scout, scouting the stat line earlier today on Panic, and, like, he seems... Like, he's probably a good pick, A, in that his defense is pretty much a scratch. But also, like, I mean, I was looking, again, I know this is, like, not great practice. But I was looking at, like, his hard hit rates and his hit types and, like, his spray charts. And they all look a lot like last year's. So I don't know that he's actually been hitting the ball all that differently. Um, which, to me, says that there is, could be... And again, this is like, I don't think I've seen the guy take a single at bat, but it, to me, it opens the possibility that there's some luck going on or lack yeah. thereof. Sure. Sure. And they need to, they need to make these peripheral moves if they want to have a shot. I mean, they could, anything can happen. They could end up riding this wave all the way to the playoffs, but you got to think about you know, down the stretch, it's really important to have these complimentary pieces, no, no matter how small they may seem at the time. Um, the 2015 and Mets I, would not have done it without Juan Uribe, without Kelly Johnson. And I yeah. think, um, was it the Nationals just released Bearclaw? Yeah, Kyle Bearclaw. I mean, if you want to assign him to the minors, that sure. might not be awful for depth. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Instead um, of these other triple A dudes that they keep rotating in know, and out. I know. Um, but we're going to, obviously, because the Mets are doing great, we don't want to end this segment on that kind of eh note. We're going to end it on a high note. Um, Yay. So Yay. Maggie wrote a fan, for the rest of the DFA candidates, Maggie wrote a fantastic piece for Amazing Avenue that goes more in depth about all of this, that reviews some of the other um, DFA candidates besides Israel Cabrera, who's already been snatched up. But some yeah, of the I other... definitely wrote like a solid two whole paragraphs on Israel Cabrera. And in <laughs> retrospect, I'm like, that was a great use of my time. Cool. <laughs> Immediately after well, this the Nationals listen. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm I'm like genuinely like a little surprised that it actually published in time because the difference between them being him being signed and the publishing time was like two hours. Yeah. <laughs> but so, that's okay. So yeah, we um. You know, we have that for you. So if you want to read more about the other DFA candidates, go check out Maggie's piece. Um, But on the other hand, on the flip side of the coin, where we are concerned about, you know, the Mets depth, the Mets bullpen, the Mets bench, there are reasons to believe that there are on the other side of the coin. There are reasons to believe that the Mets can do this. There are absolutely reasons to believe that this stretch, this hot stretch they're having is real. There are guys on the team that can carry them to the playoffs potentially. And Jarrett Seidler just put out a piece today um, reviewing some of those reasons. And it's a really good piece and you all should read it. Um, We're going to review like some of our picks um, briefly, but you know, Jandy Davis has been fantastic 
lately and he's finally he's playing every day now um, what even is a jd davis how what does this is happen a JD davis? can i claim him as my dude because i claimed keon broxton in the beginning of the year and i want to change it. <laughs> i think you have absolutely earned that right permission granted to change your <laughs> thank to you because i did scream on one of our first episodes when jd davis hit the home run so I, I feel like fair. a certain kinship ever since he did that. When well, we were and certainly your selection of Keon Broxton as your dude was was heartfelt. The reasoning was sound. It was sound reasoning. Puppy slayed me. But yeah, I so, think actually all well, now that your dude is JD Davis, I think all our dudes are, are really doing great, doing well. killing yeah. it. <laughs> we will be taking bribes for next year's our dudes i think yeah seriously because clearly we're three for three yeah seriously because yeah because your dude is because uh, maggie your dude's ahmed rosario and he's been freaking killing it since the break definitely a big part of the the change in water for the team i think absolutely he's a big part of that yep and my dude is seth lugo and he's been th- the best reliever <laughs> that the bets have had all season like just he like, I know that people like to talk a lot about Conforto being, like, how Mets fans, some contingent of Mets fans say he's, like, overrated, and then the majority of Mets fans always, like, push back against that and are like, Conforto is really good, actually. Um, he really is quite good. Mm-hmm. But the, but And Conforto is absolutely criminally underrated, but Seth Lugo is criminally underrated. Like, no one talks about how good he is. He's so good. Yeah. And he, yeah, he's he did just win National League Reliever of the Month, so maybe they are starting to take notice. Yeah, finally. Uh, <laughs> Seth Lugo, like, put some respect on Seth Lugo's name. He's been doing some variation of this since 2016. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, very excited that he won NL Reliever of the Month, which he didn't know was a thing because a Met hadn't won it since 2007. <laughs> I I also did not know it was a thing. Nope, nope, me neither. <laughs> So, you know, what do you know about that? Um, And, you know, special shout out, obviously, speaking of Michael Conforto, he's been a huge part of this, too. Um, He is out of his slump and he looks great. That home run he hit yesterday was a bomb. And he's just been smacking the shit out of the baseball. And it is so fun. Michael Conforto is good, you guys. He's very good. He's very good. He's good good. in, in almost every way. Like, he's overexposed in center, but he is a, a plus fielder in a corner. He Even when he's slumping, he gets on base. He He's a great eye at the plate. And, like, and yeah, he strikes out a lot, but he draws a lot of walks in key moments. He can hit the ball really far. Love Scoot. Yeah. Scoot's great. Scoot, Scoot. Yeah. Then we were all screaming, Scoot, Scoot. We witnessed the Scoot, Scoot group dong together. Yes. And so special place in our hearts forever for this. Forever. Um, As much as we would love to wax poetic about this Mets run uh, for the (laughs) next half an hour too, um, we cannot do that because we have for you a very special interview from Jen Mock Ramos uh, from Baseball Prospectus. Um, We talked to them about a whole bunch of things from their article about um, women, the Women's World Cup stats that are out now, um, getting access to that data and how it's changing the women's game, to their thoughts on the trading deadline, and so much more. Um, so stay tuned for that. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. 
sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, listeners. Today we have a very special interview for you. Um, We have Jen Ramos here. Um, They are a journalist who has their Master's of Science in Journalism from the University of Southern California. Um, They also do research and development and prospects at Baseball Prospectus. Um, And their writing can be found at a number of other places, including the Hardball Times, which I mentioned specifically because until very recently they were part of THT Audio, which was a podcast that very much served as an inspiration for this pod, you know, um, various, you know, voices, diverse voices in baseball and bringing up social justice related topics, which is a thing that we try to channel on this podcast as well. Um, so thank you so much, Jen, for coming on. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Um, so I wanted to start off uh, talking about your most recent piece at Baseball Prospectus. Um, you and I both wrote pieces for Women in Baseball Week, and they actually ended up being dovetailing quite nicely with each other, which we did not plan. <laughs> but Yeah, um, it did. It, it, it went hand in hand very well. Yeah, which we did not coordinate ahead of time, we promise you. <laughs> but it, you know, it worked out really well. Um, so your piece specifically um, was about um, the new statistics and data that are now being released publicly um, in women's baseball. So for our listeners who have not read the piece and don't know much about that, can you talk a little bit about the piece and about um, that project? Yeah, so um, the piece that I wrote is in conjunction with our Women's Baseball World Cup database that we recently launched. It has pitch and hit tracking data from the 2018 Women's Baseball World Cup that took place in Florida. Um, so it's basically a lot of, like, I, the way that I describe it to people is, like, it's stat cast level data, but for women's baseball, which is really cool. Like, you can see, like, exit velo, you can see spray charts, you can see, like, a heat map of the strike zone, um, a lot of cool info, but pertaining to women's baseball. Um, so the article that I wrote, I talked to two members of the U.S. women's team and one member of the Canadian women's team, who is now one of their coaches, and I asked them how how specifically this data would be beneficial for them if it's something that they ever expected to see um, in their lifetimes, especially in relation to like um, men's baseball, like getting stat cast data like every game. Um, so I talked to them about that and got their thoughts and um, thoughts and like how they're going to be using the data and what they think will be like so beneficial for, in the future. 
Yeah, and you mentioned specifically, well, members of the team mentioned specifically the U.S. Women's National Team, which is like more of the lens that I wrote about in my piece. But both pieces um, bring up the really important theme of, you know, investing in the women's game and elevating the women's game. Um, so what do you think sort of this piece and this, you know, getting these statistics, what do you think it means for elevating the women's game and like what else can people do in the baseball community to continue to do that? Yeah, so I think it's really important, as, especially as far as development goes. Um, I think it was in the article, it was a U.S. pitcher, Stacey Piagno, who mentioned how, like, it's something that would help her development, help her see, like, what her weak spots are, what her what the spots are where she's very strong at, so, like, she can get better on the weak spots and then make the stronger stronger and I think that's also something that is very relevant with women's baseball as a whole because there is a large generation of young girls and young women who are playing baseball like for example there's a trailblazer series there's the baseball for all nationals um, there are so many young girls playing baseball these days and having this data is something that will help them with their development I mean in with men's baseball right now you know you have you have college programs that help them with their development. You have stuff like driveline where they're able to figure out how to throw harder. But with young girls and women, that's not necessarily something that's always available for them. That's not something that's always accessible. And creating a database that is this accessible for women is something that can only help the game grow because it's giving more access to girls and women to be able to develop into becoming an elite player. So, um, so it's something that it's going to grow women's baseball. It's going to be something where these young women will just end up maybe becoming on par with the young men who are playing baseball, which, you know, is one thing that I would love to see as, um, you know, as a fan of women's baseball. Um, but I think one of the things that I think, you know, fans of the game should be, you know, paying attention more into is also just like knowing that there are these tournaments existing, that there are women's baseball competitions yearly that are going on. Um, I know that there's like 15U and 18U teams that are going to be playing internationally. Um, and it's not just like a once every couple of years phenomenon like these are young women who play all the time and it might not be the like their full-time job like Isla Borders who um who's the pitcher for the St. Paul Saints and she started pitching you know like 20 years ago like her day job is as a firefighter but you know she still pitches she still pitched like you know is it late 30s early 40s um for the women's national team. So it just, no, having that awareness that the, that women, the women's game goes on just like the men's game does every year, I think that's just important to know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I love um, what, what you're saying about being able to use these stats in, um, in development for you know, prospective players you know, who are young women. It, it overlaps so nicely with what you're doing over at Baseball Prospectus in terms of both um, research and development for the site and then also um, following and, and 
writing about prospects. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about how those two sides of what you do there, how they come together? Yeah, so for me, I, I always like, when I first got into baseball, um, I really loved watching minor leagues. I grew up around a lot of minor league parks. Um, so I would always just go to Fresno Grizzlies games. Um, but then I also had a love for statistics and math. And I wasn't really sure how, how to combine those two things until like there is a lot more um, advanced analysis and statistics especially for player development as a whole and um, and like quantifying it and analyzing it. So I use a lot of the analytical knowledge that I gain from doing R&D work with my um, prospect evaluation. So I'm able to like look at like maybe some stat lines or something and and while I know that like a stat line is not really indicative of a player's development, it will help me get an idea of like if a player is going through like a week long slump or something, that's not necessarily because they're not hitting well. It could be something that they're tweaking something in their swing. And the statistics will help me like realize like, okay, maybe this is a point in time where they're working on something in their stance, in their swing, in their timing. And it's not something that I look on the surface level, but I kind of dig deeper on. Um, and I know there's a lot more polished ways to look at statistics as far as player development goes, but I use it as a way to inform my prospect evaluations. Um, and a lot of the other work that I do on the R&D side for baseball prospectus is um, mostly database work and collecting and creating databases. But um, when I have the time, I like looking at those numbers and seeing like what translates to different levels. Yeah, I think that's that's great. And also, like my day job is databases day in and day out. I think that's one of those things that can kind of the word can sometimes make people's eyes glaze over, but they are like the heart and soul of any data operation. And I think that's that's such an awesome tool that you bring to their to their toolbox. Um, kind of in a similar vein, you know, talking a little bit about what brought you into the field, but what um, what advice would you give somebody, especially someone who is not a cis man, um, who wants to get involved in baseball writing, baseball statistics, development, that sort of thing? I would say come up with a project idea. Um, one of the things that I've learned, especially going through like different interview processes, with, you know, in regard to like full-time baseball jobs and just knowing the environment and the culture, one of the things that makes a person really stand out is a project that they've completed or are in the midst of working on. Um, and it's something that will set you apart from a lot of other folks because one of the things is like, yes, there's always going to be that white cishet man who went to an Ivy League school with a degree in economics and has all the skills. But, you know, someone from a liberal arts college in the middle of nowhere in Nevada could also have the same skill set, but 
as long as they also have the ideas of having a great project, you know, that will make them stand out more than the Ivy Leaguer. It's really all about the way that you're able to think and the way that you're able to think creatively about the game that can help someone go far in it. So I would say just, you know, it doesn't have to be something that has been explored before or something that's like completely out of the box new, but just something that's like either improving on something that already exists or branching out off of something that already exists, just something that hasn't really been explored before. Um, and I found just like, just having that creative license to research something that isn't something big will, will set a lot of, a lot of young women and NBs apart, I believe. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's, you know, it's something I think about a lot as someone who's, you know, sort of taken on this as like my <laughs> side gig <laughs> in addition to my um, day job as a scientist. And so like, I feel like I use a lot of the same parts of my brain when I'm thinking about science as when I'm thinking about baseball writing, because it's a lot of the same, like analyzing things and coming up with new ideas and new ways to look at data that we never really thought about before. So that makes complete sense what you just said. Yeah. Um, and like, and that's why like we had the women's baseball database. It's like the same stats that, you know, a lot of men's baseball has, but it ne was never really applied to women's baseball before. Yeah. So being able to write these sorts of yeah. deep dives about women's baseball will be so fun. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like I, my day job is I do, um, I do program evaluation for, um, a graduate school at Columbia. So it's, it's not sports related in the least, but the, the evaluation side of things and the synthesizing of data and that that's all really relevant. I feel like I, um, like when you talk about prod, like a tr project approach, that is actually how I have found like that has been my path to happiness in my, in my day job is like building projects and it's what moves my career along. And it's, it's not at all surprising that to hear it being applied to, to the world of baseball writing. Cause it's definitely, there, there's a lot of overlap there. Definitely. Yeah. So the last thing that I just wanted to really touch on before we wrap things up is obviously so today the trading deadline just passed. <laughs> so I want to ask you about um, your like spiciest trade deadline takes. And I know that there was a particular trade that involved two prospects. Um, so I'm curious, especially to get your take on that, but just generally the take on the trading deadline any Marcus Stroman comments since this is technically a Mets podcast, but just general trade deadline takes. What are your and I would also <laughs> I'd also just like to make sure you're you're okay and that you've had some water and a chance to lie down <laughs> because I know this is a difficult day for y'all and I worry. <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> so for me, just the biggest thing was that Zach Gallen and Jazz his home trade because I was like that's not even like a one for one trade on like a talent level. Right. And I'm just like, like Gallon is really good. So is Jazz Chisholm, but not on the same level. And I'm like, if, you, if the D-backs had thrown in a couple other guys to kind of make the trade more palatable, it would have made sense. But having it just be like that one for one trade, but not being the same on the talent level is what like really got me because I'm like, 
what are the Marlins doing? It almost feels like they got fleeced in that deal if they're only getting Jazz Chisholm. Um, so that was just like, it kind of just took me by surprise a little bit because I'm like, what? Yeah, Jeets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very much a Jeter move. Um, I was also surprised by the Strowman um, trade, honestly. Um, I know there was some tweets where he said like he was happy to go to New York, how he has family there and everything. And like, I get it on that personal level in it. Like there were a bunch of tweets like in the off season, especially during arbitration where it didn't really seem like he was super happy with the outcome with the blue Jays. So it seems like on more like human side, this, you know, feels like a good trade for folks involved, but from like the business standpoint for the Mets, I'm, not really sure what's going on there i mean no one is i sit here all day every day and talk about the mets and watch what the mets are doing and we still don't understand i just like i'm just reminded of my parents stories because they lived in uh, new jersey in the 80s and were mets fans after they immigrated to the states so like i hear a bunch of these stories about the mets and how my parents were like, yeah, we had no idea what the Mets were really doing back then. And 86 happened, and then we had no idea what they were doing again. And it just feels like a continuation of, I don't know what they're really doing right now. So, I, don't know, I, feel, I feel like Stroman, at least, is a fun pitcher to watch. Um, I guess the Mets still have Thor. So, some things... I'm not really sure if they're going to be actually rebuilding. I don't know what they're going to make of what is, you know, of the remains of the farm system. If anything, the, the it's just, man, I have no idea what's with the Mets. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever does. I mean, they. I'm pretty pumped they didn't trade Thor. I would have been really sad about it. I mean, I understand the desire to rebuild the farm, but it's kind of one of those things where if they really think that they can – compete with this core and they just added Strowman to it, then go for it in 2020, I guess. Sure. Sure. Um, Syndergaard's a fun pitcher and Strowman's a fun pitcher too. Like you said, if nothing else, even if everything is terrible in Mets world, which oftentimes it is, we have fun players. So at least that is always good. At least even in lost seasons, the Mets usually have like one or two good storylines going for them. Like last year was Jacob deGrom and this year, it's, you know, Jeff McNeil and Pete Alonzo. So, you know, at least we have fun players. That's the way I'm choosing to view this whole thing. <laughs> I will say that I really love the Jeff McNeil puppy storyline. Oh, my God. It's so good. <laughs> and he just hit another home run in last night's extra inning game. So I was like, does he get another puppy now? I think that's the rule. I hope I think, it is. I, I think these are the rules. <laughs> For every home run he hits, a puppy gets adopted. Yep. I would love for it to come up in an arbitration hearing where he's like, y'all need to pay me better because I keep having to adopt these puppies and we need a bigger house. Like, I feel that <laughs> would be one of the one of the better statistically based arbitration arguments out there. It's either like more money to like for a bigger house for more puppies or even just like something in his contract that stipulates like portion of the contract goes to like a local shelter or something like that or a rescue specifically for dogs so 
that would be amazing. I, and now I'm imagining like the most stereotypical thing possible, like Jeff McNeil with giant glasses, like using a pointer to point to his like chart of like puppies above replacement at <laughs> 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 his arbitration hearing. This has to be doable. We have to make this happen. I don't Hashtag know how. analytics. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jen, for coming on. We really appreciate your time. Yes, thank yeah, you thank so much. Thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. And, and where can our listeners find you on the interwebs? Um, so you can find me on Twitter at, at Jen Mac Ramos. Um, and otherwise I am always on baseball perspective site. So there's, if I'm not in the prospect side, you can find my work through the stats side. Great. Um, listeners, you should absolutely be reading Jen's work. It's amazing. Both the writing and the stats stuff. It's all super fantastic. And thank you for your time, Jen. Thank you for having me. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And finally, we are back with walk-off wins where each of us talks about what is making us happy this week baseball related or otherwise um so i'm gonna take the liberty of going first this week um because i'm gonna take things back to just how good the mets have been because it's hard to pick any other walk-off win than that and i'm gonna specifically talk about last night's game so we are recording this on tuesday night so i'm talking about Monday night's game when the Mets came from behind to win in a game that they it didn't look like that they were going to win at all and they hit three home runs to come back to win and it was just it felt like it felt like a turning point it felt like a turning point in the season it really really did um and it was just so awesome to watch not only was it really just a really fun game to watch? But it kind of, you know, solidified everything that we've been feeling about this winning streak and watching this team and my ability to buy in because it doesn't just have to do with how the team has been playing because obviously, objectively, I know that A, this team can't stay this hot forever and B, that they're doing it against a weak schedule. But what makes me really buy in is just like how much the players have bought in. And you could see it last night. They're buying in. Like, they're, they're hyped. They're, they believe in this team. And so they're asking the fans to believe in this team. And I'm starting to believe you guys. I don't know. <laughs> I was the loser that cried when Pete hit the home run. Like, I was saying, because I had to recap both games of the doubleheader. And I was like, oh, this is going to be such a long day of Mets baseball that I have to recap. And then, like, you know, the first game went really well with Jake. 
And then the second game was really awful. Like, oh, typical bats. Yeah, I turned, I, 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 talk about loser. Um, I turned it off. Yeah. I turned it off after, I know. It was so frustrating. Don't, don't yell at me. I fixed it. (laughs) You fixed it. I turned it off when the, when the Marlins went up 4-2. And, because it was just like, I was tired. Like, I wanted to go to bed early. And I just felt like, I've, I've seen this one before. It's fine. It happens. We'll get them tomorrow, whatever. And, like, I went to sleep. And I woke up. And I didn't even I didn't even think to check the score because I think in my oh. mind I was like, oh, well, they won yesterday. And I didn't like, you know, early morning brain wasn't totally working. And then and I got to the office and I like I don't know what made me check, but I but I saw some tweet or something. I went and looked at it and I was like, oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> they hit three home runs like 20 minutes after I turned the game off. And I was like, oh my God, something special is happening. And I just started crying. Because I think it was either Keith or Ron said, I think they have something special here. And I'm like, oh, you're right. They think they do. It did feel like that. It really did. Watching that game, I started to get like, I started to get like July 2015 vibes from that. Yeah, so did I. Like, and I hate to sound sappy about it, but I really got those vibes. I just feel like this stretch has a lot of those same, like, really fun narratives that the 2015 season had. And I'm not talking about, I'm not even necessarily talking about the, like, arc of contention, because I think the actual, like, season arc is closer to a 2016 arc than it is to a 2015 arc. However, because of the gap in the divisional lead that still exists, however... Some of the just, like, super fun storylines that 2015 had with the crazy, like, Wilmer Flores crying and, like, the the Padres rain out game and, like, well, not rain out, the Padres raining and the Mets losing and Wilmer Flores crying and the trade that never was and, like, Cespedes is coming, all the, like, crazy exciting things. Like, this year, it's, like, kind of similar to that on maybe, like, a little bit of a smaller scale, but, like, Jeff McNeil gets a puppy. They get Marcus Stroman at the trading deadline. Jeff McNeil hits a home run. And then, well, like, like they- Pete Alonso coming up and being an instant rookie of the year candidate yeah it's like yeah there's just so many like fun narratives about this team that like would make for a good you know would make for a good classic sny documentary someday if they really did make a run at this thing and so like that's just that's what's making me buy in almost even though i know that that's not the most analytical way to look at it but it's just kind of like emotionally it feels like that well, plus they're just fun. There there is a lot of likable guys on this team, and they're easy to root for, which made when they were losing that much more frustrating. Cause it's like I want you to do well because I love you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Linda, I feel like your walk off win is kind of a similar vein. Yes. So why don't you go? I was ahead. just saying, so that kind of like goes right in. I set myself up for that one. But my walk off win is Marcus Strowman. Yes, his debut didn't go that great. But, I mean, he made the play of the week, the National League play of the week, which I also didn't realize was a thing. Me neither. And, <laughs> and but, you know. What other awards are there that, that we don't know We about? don't know because we're Mets fans. <laughs> but, like, I want the narrative to die that said he didn't want to be here because he came out and said that his reaction was about how the Blue Jays handled it, not how... Not that he was upset to come here. So just, let's just kill that right now, please. And you know what? Even if he was upset, he has been nothing but a great teammate since he's been here. Like, even when he was taken out of the game, like, Ramos didn't block a ball. That kind of took him out of the game. 
And then he was the first one on the top step. He greeted Ramos. Um, Luis Avilon hit in a batter, which was then charged to Strowman, greeted Luis Avilon when he came in. Then Rame ended the inning. He he greeted Rame. He was jumping around with Pete Alonso after he hit the home run. Like he's been just such a welcome breath of fresh air since they've gotten him. And instant Marcus Strowman fan. He's been, you know, retweeting the Mets. He's been saying like how fun it is. Like he just is a fun guy, easy to root for, and I will be at his city debut on Friday. That's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, still, he just... I'm so pumped for that. I agree. He just instantly bought in with everybody yes. else. It's, it, and it was so cool to watch, and I love that. Like, he instantly just, like, came right over to New York and was like, we're making the playoffs. Like, and he just, like, was was all in, and I yep. freaking love that. Yep, yeah, huge he, fan, huge fan yeah. of Marcus Stroman. And he was like, oh, oh, I always tell people Jacob deGrom is the best pitcher in the in the league. I'm like, yeah, Marcus, you know how to how to win my heart. You keep talking, Marcus. Certainly knows how to endear himself to Mets fans. And, you know, the Long Island roots certainly doesn't hurt either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maggie, what is your walk-off win for this week? I'm going to go non-baseball, and my walk-off win was we did a beach day this Sunday, and we rented a car with my sister, and we took the kids out, and my sister packed, like, the best charcuterie plate ever, and, like, amazing lemonade, and we just set up, like, this beach tent I got on Amazon for 20 bucks, and everybody just had an amazing time, and the kids got sunburned, and just enough that you know that they were having a great time and they both found perfect shells that they brought home to show school. And it was just like, it was just the perfect beach day. It was gorgeous weather. We went to, I'll throw a shout out to Jacob Reese beach, uh, which is hard to get to public transportation, but not so hard to get to if you have a car, I mean, compared to like other city beaches, but, but it was really like really clean beach, nice facilities nearby, super, I mean, crowded, like, Definitely, it's an urban beach, um, but not like uncomfortably so. It was just a great all around day and just a perfect day for it. We had a great time. Love and beach. I listened to the game in the car on the way home. That's a good day. Yeah, it was great. That is a really good day. Nothing, there, there's no topping a beach day. There really isn't. Agree. Yeah. Strong agree. Love the beach. Love the Mets. Love the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Mets on the they- beach. No, they just took J.D. Davis out. Why? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he just oh, hit a Lord. double. He no, no, okay. quick. End the, end the episode. End the episode yeah, before. Cut it. <laughs> quick cut it before everything gets worse. Okay. You can find all of our fantastic content on AmazingAvenue.com. We're all positivity all the time right now. If you want to get on the Mets hype train, go to AmazingAvenue.com. We got that piece from Maggie about how the Mets can even keep improving from here. We've got the piece from Jared Seidler that I told you guys about, about like what about the Mets makes you think they can do this. We got a piece from Corey Powell about, you know, everyone's buying in. Everyone loves the Mets. There's just so much. Oh, and Chris wrote, uh, Chris McShane wrote a piece about the Mets pitching staff and how they've been fantastic since the break. So lots of happiness and spreading the Mets joy while we can over on AmazingAvenue.com. So check all of that out. You can follow Amazing Avenue on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Amazing Avenue. You can follow the show um, at a pod of their own. You can follow each of us. I am at Petite PhD. How about you, Linda? I'm at Linda Servich. And you, Maggie? 
I'm at Maggie162. Follow each of us on Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter. Please rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe. It really, really helps people find the show. You can subscribe to Amazing Avenue Audio wherever you get your podcasts. The original music for the intro and the outro to this show is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting. Actually, let's fucking go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting. (laughs) See you guys next Wednesday. Thank you.